Welcome to Good Christian People, an honest conversation between church leaders who recognize we're not perfect, we're barely good, but we want to be great. On today's episode, we put on nicer clothes and we're on our best behavior as we sit down with Dr. Kevin Smith to discuss the Southern Baptist Convention and our need to pursue racial reconciliation. Everybody, welcome back to Good Christian People, the podcast, the podcast episode twenty-seven. That was very good. That was very clear. We got to get you to teach us all German. That'd be fun. I feel like that would be good for us to know, guys. I'm Jeff. Over there is Tim. Across from me is Josiah. We are socially distanced today, uh, even though I am completely out of COVID protocol. The Maryland Department of Health said that I'm good to be around people and that I am. Uh, immune for at least like two and a half, three months. Are you greeting brothers with a holy kiss now? You know, I did say, I don't know if you caught it yesterday in worship, but I did say that I would probably be a very safe person to open mouth kiss. I normally (laughs) don't pay. I mean, who pays attention to the worship leader when he's talking? Right. No, just sing monkey boy. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, but guys, we are so excited because with us today, uh, this, this feels a little bit more important today because in the room with us, we have the executive director of the Baptist Convention of Maryland and Delaware, Dr. Kevin Smith. On the mic, on the mic. That's so smooth. Sounded good, too. And so he is, he is basically just like royalty in the Southern Baptist uh, Convention. Yeah, and he's Baptist Pope yeah. kind of thing here in Maryland. Is that what? Did you bring your papal, you know, anything today? With the history of the state of Maryland, that's quite appropriate. <laughs> yeah, we're a little, little Catholic area around here. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, like, I even put on, like, a real shirt today. Like, I was like, I need to impress the good doctor. So we are, we are so excited to have you here for our conversation, Doc. Thank you for, uh, can I call you Doc? Is that, uh, was, that, was, that, was that weird? That's, the, that's how the church flows. All right. Hey, Doc. Hey, Doc. Hey, Doc. I like that. I like that. Have I'm you ever? I, I have some black pastor friends who are Reverend Doctor. Have you ever gone down that no, trail? No. That's okay. two Methodists. All right. Gotcha. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, awesome. So we're, we're excited. We're, we're recording on a totally different day. We're going to do a really quick turnaround. Mm-hmm. So everything feels off. So this is probably either going to be a terrible episode when the three of us talk or probably a really good episode when Dr. Smith talks. Like I, I'm, I'm a listener to your podcast, the Peculiar People podcast, which is uh, it's hard to say quickly, Peculiar People podcast, <laughs> but but I love it. It's you do a fantastic job on it. And uh, COVID, is, COVID has taught us all how to say PPP really quick. PPP. So P-P-P. you just call the PPP. P3. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very good. So I'm just we're just going to turn everything over to you. You can ask yourself your own questions and then respond <laughs> to them. And you'll just hear us in the mic going, hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very good. All right. So, guys, we uh, let's catch up for just a second. Um, the Super Bowl was just a couple of days ago. And never, what did I tell you? You never bet against Never bet against Brady. Brady. Yeah, yeah. I told you. You were right. I I I, believe, I went with you. I, I said, yeah, I think he'll he'll win it. It was uh that was interesting. Um does anybody have any thoughts on the Super Bowl? Did you enjoy um, it? I'm at a phase of life where I always root for the older guy and so it was a very entertaining <laughs> evening. Especially when yeah. the young guy started limping. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> 
like, you mean they broke up those young bones and the old guy's still out? Oh, yeah, it was, it was a good night for old guys. He was <laughs> running for his life, though. No, he was, he just was running for his life. He was, point, th- he was throwing the ball literally while he was a half inch from the ground, right. yes. horizontally. Just throwing it up, going, please, God, let somebody catch us. And they did. Uh, usually the Buccaneers were catching yes. what Mahomes was was slinging. So it, it, towards the end of the game, he just, as soon as they hiked the ball, he just started running away. Yeah. <laughs> like he doesn't, mm-hmm. You don't have to run yet. You don't have to get out of the pocket. So we but. are media people and we're narrative people. So everybody likes the Brady story. Yeah. Uh, but the story is Tampa Bay's defensive line. Yeah. They, oh, yeah, were, they, were, they were something else. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you could give the, the MVP trophy to a whole group of guys, I think that would have been uh, not a bad – not a bad call, let but I'm, I'm glad Brady of, got one. Well, let me go out on a limb and say if he doesn't ride off into the sunset now, he's. Uh, I mean, uh, this is the perfect time to perfect. go. He'll play. Oh. He'll play till he's sixty. Because he just he just left New England and proved yes. he wasn't a system quarterback. Yes. Now's the time to go. Leave. Perfect. Yeah. On top. Right. Leave when you're on top. And then, I always leave a room when people are laughing. I'm right. Like, see you later. Yeah. George Costanza. Well, because it, it happens so infrequently. Uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, they made such a point about how it's so difficult for people to come and win back-to-back Super Bowls. Um, so you wonder if that's going to cause Brady to go, well, can I at least... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know there will be a whole lot of people be thrilled if he would um, just retire. Any but, of my brethren in the Tampa area, if you need a preacher <laughs> towards the end of January next year, <laughs> right now there are openings on my calendar. That's, that's awesome. Did uh, did you guys? So I mean, I know in the age of uh, you know DVRing and everything, you can fast forward the commercials. It seems like the Super Bowl is the one time you don't do that. Did anybody have a favorite commercial? No. No. I like the GM. I just thought I, I was laughing at the GM electric car. Uh, yeah, looking for Sweden and Amsterdam. Yeah, that, 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 yep. that, that was funny. When they mm. they were trying to get to Norway, Norway, and, yeah, yeah. coming for you. Will Ferrell, he had his his yes. hand in a globe for the yes. whole the commercial. The one we really, my wife and I really liked was the one with Michael B. Jordan as Alexa. You see that one? I heard about it. I, it my dirty good. little secret is I did not watch the Super Bowl live at all. So uh, that evening I spent with my wife and my daughter, and I did not watch it. Oh, uh, okay. So Should we all applaud oh, for the dad husband right, of the commercials? So. Oh, oh, oh! And the young lady, um, I forgot the Toyota, Toyota, the swimmer, special needs Toyota, oh, yeah. so good Toyota commercial. That one got me. I went back but and rewatched. I'm that. still a Chevy man. Yeah. Oh, you drove. Yeah, your Pope Mobile is a huge Chevy truck. I'm a Chevy man. Yeah. That's awesome. GM. So I I know we, you know, as Baptists, uh, we don't like to tell people, uh, or we like to preach against gambling, but did you guys hear the story? I won lots of money on this game. You did not. You didn't even watch it. You didn't watch it. (laughs) So there's a story that came out in the last couple of days. You remember like towards the end of the game, there was a streaker. It wasn't Mm. really a streaker, but it was somebody who Mm. ran on. So the whole deal was this guy made a prop. There was a prop bet that said, you know, will someone run on the field? Will there be a streaker or not? You know, somebody oh, he made who, that bet. He made the bet and then made it happen. He made it happen. Wow. And so he <gasps> bet $50,000 and with the odds, what they were, he ended up making $375,000 and only had to pay $500. That's smart. Bail money. Yeah. However, what was stupid about it is that he went and bragged that that's what he did. Uh. And so the company went, Oh, we're gonna not pay you now. Yeah. So he lost all of that and was out five hundred bucks for his now bail. Now sudden money. he's the Pete Rose of Super Bowl. Then it's like, dude, just be yeah. quiet about it. What he did, I mean, it was smart because he had he uh, recruited a friend 
to basically be a diversion and run on first. So while all of them were running and, and chasing him, he got on and ran. <laughs> I saw an article today said he ran from end zone to end zone and actually racked up more yards than the Kansas City <laughs> offense. <laughs> nice. See, what he should have done is just waited 15 years and then wrote a book said that called I didn't do it, but if I had. But, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what he should so anyway, so it, the poor guy, I mean, the poor guy, I, I, I don't know. He's not really poor. I mean, he is now, but uh, he's <laughs> yeah, he lost 50 G's now, right? He's that. I mean, they're not going to give him that. Well, they're, they're going to, they're going to, they're oh, going to okay. refund it to him because right. they, they said, eh, there's some shenanigans here. So we're not going to count that. So they went and they started saying, if anybody has anything to do with, you know, the guy and knew that was going to happen, we're not paying you. So yeah, it, good luck yeah. proving that. Well, they're, they're working on it. Um, and then lastly, before we jump into it, uh, are you guys watching anything good? You guys have any recommendations for people who are still stuck at home now that the weather, like we were hoping that COVID would kind of free things up and we could go out and do things again. Uh, and then it's snow and ice and everybody's stuck in. Is anybody watching anything? Um, my schedule does not really allow for regular TV, but with COVID, I did stumble into uh, Madam Secretary on Netflix. Ah, I like strong women. Yeah, Yeah, she's good. Yeah, that's going to go over really well with my wife when you just say, as, as the executive director of our convention, I really like strong women. She's going to be like pounding her desk. Well, she's and much stronger than he she's is. She's extremely so. strong. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, she's she's a military, former military, and um, and I'm former uh, marching band. So it's it's like we both did marching in our... In our uh, in our past, but, I would uh, recommend. I've um, just finished up. It the season got the series got canceled, but on Amazon, uh, Sneaky Pete is actually is that good? It's a fun watch. Yeah, for I sure. I started it's watching it years ago. Is yeah. uh, Josie? I mean, you're probably the only one watching WandaVision. No, you're not even watching WandaVision. I don't own Disney Plus. I yeah. What I've been watching is um, I've been taking the time to go back through all of like the Korean the, films. Yeah, you know, uh, old two thousands <laughs> era. Um, sci-fi shows so I'm, I'm like hammering my way through stargate and that is uh nerdy that is that is about 250 episodes of of a single series and then they had two other series that spun off of it okay how long is that taking you to go through 250 episodes it's taking a while oh good i'm glad it so. wasn't like a yeah. month yeah no i haven't slept in 48 hours <laughs> i've just been watching <laughs> we, sci-fi yeah. Uh, no, I mean, if, if you're into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, WandaVision is uh, incredible. Like, what they've done with it, it, it really is smart. But my wife and I, um, we always like to have a sitcom that is ongoing that we can just, you know, have a lot of seasons. And so we have gone back, and we're going through Frasier again. Yes. And, oh, man, that show is so good. You know what's good and new with, um, what's his name, uh, the guy from Cheers? Mr. Mayor. Ted Danson. Thank you, Ted Danson. Mr. Mayor, uh, which is written by another strong woman in, help me out, who wrote it? 30 Rock lady. Oh, Tina Fey. Tina Fey, I didn't you. know she wrote it. Yeah, it's exactly like 30 oh, Rock. It's really, really? Good. Yeah. I miss 30 Rock. I need, I like Ted, I need to check that out. I yeah. like Ted Danson. Yeah, Mr. Mayor, it's a fun comedy. It's it just started. It's only like five episodes. I think my issue with it, I want to see it, but my issue with it is that I'm concerned that after The Good Place, with Ted Danson, I'm just not gonna enjoy it as much. You'll be but, fine. Okay. You'll be fine. So right, well. Fraser's wife uh-huh. is the assistant to the Secretary of State. There you go. Oh uh, right, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lilith. Yeah. Lilith. Yeah. Lilith. Yes. Absolutely. That show is uh, that show is better than 
than I. I mean, when I was growing up, I was young, and so Frasier was like something that old people watched because boring. Was, yeah, because yeah, it was on it was on CBS, and it was just about some hoity guys that are. And then when you go back and watch it now, you're like, oh, this is actually brilliant. This well, but is now that you're a, a high-powered podcast host. That's what it is. Now uh, you f- you really feel. Hello, listener. Yeah, exactly. I'm listening. That's not a very good phrase wow. at all. I'd, I'd be much more Niles than anybody Let's else. take our first call. That's <laughs> <laughs> Josie, we're just going to start calling you Roz. <laughs> Like that. I don't even get that. Well, right. when I was yeah. young, my favorite show was Cheers. Okay. That's a good show. Because I unfortunately could relate to the context. There you yeah. go. <laughs> I, I'd never, I mean, I'd never watched Cheers. You were a Cheers. baseball player who turned into a bartender. Yeah. <laughs> but but I, I, a couple years ago, I just, I watched like the first three episodes or something. Just, yeah. I've never, you know, I'm too young for it. But I went, man, this is really good. Yeah. I but I never just had, you know, it's it's down the list of things to watch. But I thought, man, this is really good writing, really funny. I, anyway, I bet you would like Frasier. Okay. I, I really think you would. Right. It, it, it is one of those that I was like, oh, this is no good. And then when Jen got into it, I was like, this is really funny. It's really funny. Um, and I'm probably anyway, guys. We're gonna uh, can, uh, continue on in our racial reconciliation series, but. Uh, I haven't even told you guys this. Well, Josie, you know a little bit about it, but I want to um, talk to our listeners for just a second and say we're going to do something that was kind of unplanned, but uh, I'm, in, I'm excited about the possibility for this. Um, the past two episodes I've gotten, now we haven't had anything like really publicly come out, uh, people in conversation, but I have had a number of conversations either through email, through text, in, in person, on the phone with people who have uh, had questions about some of the content that we've shared in this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, they've disagreed. I have questions, but sure. Yeah. yeah. They've disagreed with some of it. They've given some pushback and said, well, you know, you, you guys said this, or one of you guys said this. And uh, what we're going to do as this was going to be a four week series initially, but we're actually going to add a fifth week. And for the final episode of this series, and it'll air March 1st, I believe is the date it'll come out. Uh, we are going to bring back Dr. Adam Alvarez and Brandon Morris to be in the room with us to talk through some of the issues that the audience has raised, some <laughs> questions that they have said, you know, t- some some points where they think, no, I think the guests were wrong. And we have invited other people who had uh, counterpoints and um in other positions to, to come on and they've all said no. <laughs> so instead what we'll do is uh, if you have a question, if you have something that you would like us to revisit something that um, you know, either, Hey, you guys didn't tackle this or Hey, one of you guys said this and we need some clarification on it. Or I just have a question. It doesn't have to be antagonistic. We're, we're not, you know, we, we we're seeking truth here. And so write us at goodchristianpod at gmail.com. You email us that, and I promise that as we wrestle with these discussions, um, we will leave your name off it. You know, it, it, If you want to just ask the, the guests, the hosts, anything in relation to this series, goodchristianpod at gmail.com, and we will take a crack at answering that. That's good. Um, the, I, that's the one where I'm out, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I, no, I, wanted, you be, I wanted you to be in on that, but um, we needed to – we only got four microphones. Yeah, I mean I, – I mean, I'm glad people are responding. I'm glad people are sending in questions, whatever maybe I hope they would. Um, that's kind of the whole point. I mean, is we're not here just delivering content, yeah. and especially the conversation on this t- topic 
needs to be a conversation, not a right. one way. Right. Um, and so I and, I and like like you mentioned, I'm still struggling with some of the stuff that Adam said right. and trying to wrap my head around it. And um, I mean, if you want to zoom in, we'll zoom you in. Well, I might just lay out some questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like them. some jerk. I, I'm going to some... be down the beach. So and I'm already I'm, I already have to like. No, this is good. It, come yeah. in for a church business meeting yeah. and for it. And so I'm not going to do it again. Late so, February yeah. is a really good time to go to the beach. It is. Yeah. 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 We were supposed to be on a cruise, so this you is will about actually, the only other thing to do. You will actually come back whiter than you are right now. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, so if you have questions, if there's something that you want to engage with, uh, the, the window is kind of closing. You only got about two weeks to get those questions and those thoughts in, but we do have a number of things that we can talk about. And in typical fashion, as you uh, podcast and record, there's always things you walk away from and you go, oh, man, I wish I had said that. And our guests have said that, like, oh, I wish we had tackled this issue. I wish we had discussed this. And so we're going to give space to do that as well, kind of a chance to wrap it up this won't be the only time that we uh engage with race we're not you know racial reconciliation conversation we're not going to uh just you know do it for these four or five weeks and then be gone with it but at least for the time being um we want to we want to give space to that so if you want we would love to hear from you now let's kick in with the real reason we're here we get to talk to dr kevin smith this is so exciting. Like you literally, I think just got off a pl- like an airplane, like within the last couple hours. I, I'm a, sure you today changed. or last night. Like, I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, uh, it was freezing in Dallas, and mm-hmm. um, I supposed think to get a lot of snow, snow yesterday, and bit, so yeah. I had to connect in Atlanta on Delta, and I just wasn't sure last night what BWI would look like. Yeah, mm-hmm. we landed at 11:30, and I. <laughs> text my wife and said praise the lord mm-hmm. yeah touchdown well that's good so i i really appreciate you uh coming in just for this um i know you didn't want to go home or anything like that so we we really appreciate you making time for us so dr smith you are the executive director of our state convention the baptist convention of maryland delaware uh i've read you have served as a pastor mm-hmm. you have served as a chaplain as a small term missionary you were on the faculty of the southern it's so weird when you say it of the Southern, Southern Baptist, Baptist Theological, Theological Seminary, the flagship seminary of the Southern Baptist Convention. That's the the. Is, it, is the word the on there? On the yes, front? sir. All like, right. Just like the, the Ohio, Ohio State. State. Yeah. 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 All right. You are a husband. You are a father. You are a podcast host. But the thing that it, it just I'm so excited about, you love to spend time riding your Harley. Yes, sir. Come on. I have on a Harley hat right I see now. It. It's amazing. Like, I mean, the rest of us have gotten comfortable, and you're like, no, I'm representing. I'm like, representing. Let me tell a quick story. Down, there used to be a barking bar just down the road here from the church, right? And there was a, a Sunday afternoon. I was coming home from an Oriole game. I'll tell it as quick as possible. And uh, I, I, I passed by the biker and biker bar on a Sunday afternoon in the summer, and it was packed. People out, like <laughs> spilling out into the road kind of thing. I get past the biker bar, and about a quarter mile down the road, facing me, coming towards the biker bar, is this little guy on this little moped. <laughs> and I thought, oh, dear Jesus, help that boy when he gets past that biker bar, because they're going to let him have it. Anyway, yeah. Oh, man. I don't know how that worked out, but no, I assume. They, they, I'm sure they let him have yeah. it. <laughs> Or they just stand at attention or applaud them. Or like, there goes my hero. It's uh, yeah, that's that's excellent. So, but one of the things I really like, Doctor Smith, is that um, you had out there that your ministry is guided by the prayer that that Jesus prayed for his disciples in John seventeen for unity. That unity is really significant to you. Can you kind of tell us why that is kind of a guiding motivation for you? Um, sure. Thank you for having me. Um. 
I think Christians tremendously underestimate the missions and pneumatological importance of our unity, pneumatology being the study of the Holy Spirit. When Christians are not united, we quench and grieve the Spirit, and so we undercut our power, our, our usefulness for the Lord, especially when we want things like regeneration to take place among us, revival to take place among our congregations. And so it seems like we put Bible-believing Christians in the U.S., put a lot of energy into Jude 3, as we should, contending for the faith. Uh, we put a lot of energy into personal holiness, Philippians 2, press toward the mark of the high calling of God. But we don't put the same type of energy into Ephesians 4, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And I think that lack of effort um, undercuts our power, and so it's so, mm. so important to me. And then I also grew up in a church tradition where the center of who we are and what we do is supposed to be the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you read through the narrative of the gospel, <clears throat> it's hard to not be moved by the agonizing prayers of the Lord. If you go through the gospel and you see the kind of the climax before Calvary and the agony, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass. For it's hard to be indifferent existentially Mm -hmm. to those types of things um, of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, you know, which is one reason I'm happy to have grown up around a um, a tradition that preached to the head and the mind and the heart and wasn't just kind of cognitive because I'm amazed that some people can just kind of be totally indifferent to that plea mm -hmm. of uh, the Lord Jesus Christ as he is earnestly in prayer before the crucifixion. I think some of the confusion is what does unity look like? We confuse unity and uniformity, right? We sure do. And and I think we people forget that we need to unite around the primary and let the secondary be. I know we're going to get yeah. into it later on about especially politics and the divisions that are there. And I mean, I, I'm dealing with it strong here because um, I don't agree with some of the politics of some of the people in the church. And it's like, wait a minute, we need to be united. And I'm saying the same thing. We need to be united and it's, we don't get it. Yeah, we have to have particular parameters for our unity. Um, after Endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit, Paul mm -hmm. gives some basic parameters, mm -hmm. one Lord, one faith, one baptism, mm -hmm. one God and Father. All. Mm -hmm. So we, we've got to have parameters. For us as Southern Baptists, we would say uh, commitment to the Great Commission, mm -hmm. a high view of Scripture, and we would say our Baptist faith is capsulated in the Baptist faith and message, right. our current edition of that. And um, those kind of things provide a basis for live, for, for unity. Sure. And to your point, um, other things are just other things. Within right. the Southern Baptist Convention, we have so many. You can go to Southern Baptist Convention and you see someone cool with slick <laughs> hair, and then you see a guy that looks like Elvis and he wants to look like Elvis. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we are a 46,000 yeah. pastors is a lot of different guys. I'm looking forward to Nashville, and yeah. uh, I'm definitely looking forward oh. to Nashville. But it, so I've been going for only the last six or seven years, but the some of the, uh, you know, kind of the old guard, the old white guys that are there. I heard the best description of kind of the change in the SBC right now, at least at the annual meeting is, he said, I see a whole lot less gray hair and sport coats. I see a whole lot more beards and backpacks. Yeah, and I thought, well, I kind of, I'm, I'm the gray hair with the beard and the backpacks. I don't know what yeah. that makes me. But yeah. But I think, yeah. So unity is so, as you pointed out, is so critical to the church. Um, and, and, 
And one and that's one of the reasons why we're doing this. It seems like there are so many levels where we find disunity in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can and it can just be the world kind of creeping in and, and the influence of that. And so one of the things that we really wanted to do, because there's a lot of, uh, uh, I don't know, attention being paid to it right now. Um, and, and we are just reminded again of the, the racial divide that is happening. And, and, and we're seeing it in the church. And so one of the our purpose here is to kind of have these conversations about racial reconciliation for the purpose of unity, that we are stronger together. Um, and so it, throughout this series, so far we've talked to Dr. Adam Alvarez and we looked at the history of systemic racism, uh, how we feel its impacts today. Last week we talked with Brandon Morris about his experience as a black man, as a husband, as a father uh, in America. He really talked about the joy of the multicultural church and would love to hear you uh, talk about that as well. But today we want to hear from you what you're seeing, um, what you're experiencing, because part of your role as the executive director is going around to different churches, engaging, uh, experiencing them, seeing what's going on for the churches in our network. And so you've been all over. And so one of the questions, we just kind of want to throw this out there and, and start off with, what are you seeing in regards to race relations and racial reconciliation in the church? Are these conversations that are happening? Are mm-hmm. there certain churches that are having that con- those conversations, others that are avoiding it? What is kind of the state of the church right now? Um, kind of the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm-hmm. Um, in many of the good places, if there's vibrant congregational life, then church members are able to speak of things of which they differ or Mm -hmm. disagree. Um, And they are, they're able to hold those things in a proper context. Um, You know, one of the issues of unity is uh, we've mentioned politics. We've mentioned race. There's a lot of things that divide people. We can see that in Galatians and Colossians. And a lot of that happens and spills over into the church when a congregation's identity is not rooted in their union with Christ and their mm-hmm. identity is not rooted in Christ. If other things, this is a rich church or a poor church or a Republican church or a Democrat church or those kind of things. When those other kind of things influence the identity of the church, um, we undercut unity. So the ones that are really good <clears throat> have a strong understanding of themselves as disciples of Jesus Christ, followers of Jesus Christ. And that's regardless of the size of the congregation or the location of the congregation. I'm real excited. Uh, I was four four years ago, I was real excited, four and a half years ago, real excited to come to the Baptist Convention of Maryland, Delaware. We have 41 uh, state conventions in Baptist life uh, that cooperate with the Southern Baptist Convention and probably Maryland, Delaware, and maybe um, California with the Hispanic and Asian influence, Texas and Florida probably are, there there are probably five or six that have much more ethno-linguistic diversity than than the other Mm -hmm. 30-something, just because of the demographics of our country and where that Mm -hmm. falls. And so I was really excited to come here and see Different congregations, different sizes, different regions, different areas, different ethnicities, different race uh, come together for a common one, a common mission and five or six common mission goals that we have, international missions, national missions, seminary education, sin relief, things like that. But then also see the interaction among those congregations. The things I've seen are 
uh, very hopeful and very good here in Maryland uh, and Delaware. And some of that is because of, um, again, the mid-Atlantic, this region of the country. If you are about the gospel, many neighborhoods have many kinds of people. And mm. so you're going to bump into a lot of people and they're going to wander into your church if you are outreaching with the gospel. Now, we still have areas where, you know, a neighborhood is basically a black neighborhood or a Chinese neighborhood or a white neighborhood, those kinds of things. So that springs up. I don't think um, congregations, I don't think we have a lot of congregations that are trying to be intentional about discussions based upon things that are going on within the culture. I think we have some pastors who have just been very evangelistic and very pastoral and how they've engaged the people in their congregation. Mm. Um, and it has led to a pastoral discipleship approach that really seeks to be um, inclusive of the people that are in that congregation and the mission field that is around that congregation. I mean, mm-hmm. you remember, you know, there's some distinctive things about Maryland, uh, Montgomery County. Uh, it's our largest population county. It's also one of the top five most ethnically diverse counties in the country. Uh, Prince George's County, Maryland, is the home of the largest black middle class in America. It's been yeah. that way since I was a child in mm-hmm. the 70s. Uh, so we have some distinct things in Maryland um, and, and Delaware that give us um, give us some opportunities to engage ministry. And I'm very happy and blessed to see pastors doing that. I preached at a church one time in a particular part of Delaware. And I knew, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to preach this church in Delaware and uh, be some good white brothers and sisters. And uh, it was during COVID. So we were meeting outside um, on the yard and I pulled up, it was like the United Nations. Hmm. Um, Cause it was a particular company in that area and there's a university in that area and just everyone was in that sure. area and yeah. this church is reaching anyone sure. with the gospel of Jesus Christ mm. and so you know in Maryland Delaware I see a lot of congregations that um, are not engaging these things as in they are topics in the culture but engaging these things as this is the life we live as a congregation and we really want to um, love our brothers and sisters. And I appreciate the, the diversity certainly of Maryland and Delaware and our, and our Baptist convention. So I, it's, it's interesting. There seems to be some rhetoric out there in, you know, big C world, uh, be a multi you know, be multi-generational. Great. Uh, but also be multicultural. Like that's, that is the goal of every church to be multicultural. And my response is that's probably, I don't, I don't know that I completely agree with that. Your goal should be be the church that reaches out to your community. I mean, if you yeah. live in an all-white community, yes. why are you going to force a black uh, in there? Or if you live in an all-black community, why are you going to force <laughs> white in there? That doesn't make Hispanic. You know, you're going to bring in a bunch of gringos, and yeah, that just doesn't no. Doesn't I agree. Jive. I agree with you, brother. Your congregation should be open to share the gospel with anyone who's in your area, right. in your community. Um, I <laughs> I did a revival at a certain place in Kentucky that had a certain kind of history. And um, I would do revival pretty regularly. They say, "Oh, Brother Smith, uh, we sorry. There's just no no diversity in the, in, in in our church." And I was like, "Why are y'all sorry?" Mm-hmm. I was like, "I went behind Walmart. I went on the other side of the track. Ain't nobody in y'all city but white folks." Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Calm right. down, relax. I mean, <laughs> I, I would love. I, I think it's a beautiful picture of the kingdom. It's a beautiful picture yes. of Revelation and you know all the tribes and tongues gathered around the throne, but I, I think there, I, I, that's a goal for me because we live in a diverse neighborhood. So I, it's a goal for me yeah. here at this church. 
but I, I think I've heard too much from you know some of the parachurch organizations, from yes. people in the higher levels, who guilt pastors into forcing it, forcing it, and people who are outside congregations who don't pass the people and don't have to do mm-hmm. shepherding interaction mm-hmm. with them. Mm-hmm. No, the goal is to uh, uh, in Mark's gospel, mm-hmm. go and preach the gospel to every creature. Sure. And if there's all kinds of people around your congregation, you should be open to sharing the gospel and having sure. disciples in your congregation from all kinds of people. Sure. If, you're, if your congregation is in a more homogenous neighborhood, sure. th- then you probably will not have that. But at the same time, look outside of your community, at least from time to time, right? If you're an all-white yes. church, you know, have a fellowship with an yes. all-black church and, and make it happen. If Yes, yes. If, the, if, if, they can, if they could come together and unite around the Jerusalem Council on Acts 15 and the Jews and the Gentiles can get together, the circumcised and the uncircumcised, certainly a white church and a black church can say we're on the same team. Yes, and that's what we do. That's one of the things, again, unique about our convention. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have many congregations of, uh, of our hundreds of congregations. We have many where there's a variety of kinds of people in mm-hmm. those congregations. And we have some congregations that are in a certain demographic area and it's mostly black or it's mostly white. Um, then we have congregations that it's everyone who speaks Mandarin or it's sure. everyone who speaks Spanish. Sure. I mean, so between language and ethnicity and sometimes race, uh, depending on the demographics, we have things. Oh, we have some congregations where everyone in there is poor mm. because of the neighborhood where, sure. where the congregation is or everyone in there is middle class or whatever. Mm. So. You know, be true to sharing the gospel with anyone and certainly multi-ethnicity um, yeah. in and of itself as a look is not a goal. A, mm-hmm. a goal is John 15. I've ordained you to bring forth fruit and that yeah. fruit should remain. Now, how about churches? So we live, as you said, we've got a lot of congregations in our area, a lot of different churches for, you know, different different groups, um, whether on, on, on social uh, racial, um, just interest. I mean, you have biker churches, right? I mean, things, things like that. And, and we live in a time where people can travel to the church that suits them. So certainly there is a a need like for us in our area to go, well, we have a, a racially diverse, um, community around here. But if, if we were to say, are, are, are there certain factors for churches that, that tend to draw people like them? You know what I'm saying? So like now that people can move and can shift yeah. and say, I, I'm willing to drive 30 minutes for a church that that looks like me, whether it's social, racial, yes. class. I, mean, I, I want I want to reject all that. Good. That, that's the homogeneous unit principle coming out of the church growth movement. And I want to I want to reject all that. I want to pile dung on all that. I want to, <laughs> yes, I, I want to do anything I can do negative without cussing about that. <laughs> about driving a long distance to get to the church that you want to be at. Yes. Uh, about just desiring a church to be a homogeneous I unit. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, that was a principle of the church growth movement. And at some point, even mighty advocates uh, in the church growth movement began to see the weakness of that. And yeah. certainly how it in no way connects to New Testament missiology and doxology. Indeed. But I guess the question would be like for church leaders who want to reach their community, you know, we can't tell people, you know, you have to come to this church because you live in this community. Right. It's so how do we are, are there certain things that churches are doing that say we are just better at reaching our community um, and reaching all of our community and attracting all aspects of our community versus just the people who we have a lot of commonalities with. Oh yeah, back to the same beginning. Those churches are really making disciples 
who manifest the love of Jesus Christ and a desire to honor and obey Jesus Christ. And I don't care about any of those preferential markers you hit. Our world is full of brokenness, fallenness, sin, and evil. And people are looking for love and people are looking for transcendence. And, um, you know, we have churches in Maryland, Delaware, where John Hopkins PhDs are sitting right next to somebody that barely got out of high school and and, and works by the hour. I mean, mm-hmm. so um, uh, the common element is love in a loveless world and certainly the clear proclamation of the gift of eternal life in Christ. Those types of things make a difference. And once you share the gospel with someone and they go from darkness to light, the color of your building is not as important to them as the fact mm. that you love them so much you shared the good news of Christ with them. The style of your music is not as important to them as you love them so much. That's mm. the basis for building true Christian community sure. across those Colossians 3.11, Galatians 3.28 categories. Yeah, and I think, I think so, I mean, I'm a proponent of whoever the Lord brings to the church community is whoever the Lord brings to the church community. But, uh, you know, even, I guess, in a, a message I've got coming up, that Christianity is not a come and see, but a go and tell, right? Mm-hmm. And so no matter where we are, if you run into brown people, black people, white people, whoever, wherever you are going, tell. Mm-hmm. And if you're if if you only see white people, that's not on you. If like if you go to Walmart over on the other side of the track behind the Walmart, if they only then you you tell who you see. Yes. Um, this and, is something you should ask yourself a question. Yeah. Um. um not a mile. Uh. Let's say three. Mm. Let's say five. Five miles around my church. Mm-hmm. What kind of people are in that five mile circle mm-hmm. that have never darkened the doors of our church because we've never reached out to them? Hey. Right. We in Bible study. Hey, church members, uh, there's this kind of people within five miles of our church. Who mm-hmm. here? Oh, you said who here knows a biker? Mm-hmm. Who here knows a biker that goes and has lunch at that place down the street? Mm-hmm. There's hundreds of us, and none of us know any bikers that go have. And 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 every Sunday, there's like a hundred of them down there, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like mm-hmm. who's within a five mile circle of our church right. that's totally not on our evangelistic? Sure. Open your eyes. Neighbor love radar. Look. look. Yes. And then go buy yourself a moped and go down to the bike. <laughs> right. <Yeah>. Be all. Um, <laughs> so there, I, I guess in, in church is what we see. But, 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 but do you see, Pastor, do you see how that's different? Do you see the evangelistic thrust of that? Who's around here? No. Do you see how that's different than I want white-haired University of Maryland grad guys mm-hmm. and I'm going to go hunt for yeah. them? Sure. Right. right. Yeah, uh, it's it's shooting with a shotgun instead of a targeted rifle, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Whoever it hits, spread the seed. Spread the seed. Those <laughs> so, are the parables that Jesus sure. used, spread the seed. So what we're seeing, I guess, it, it, in terms of racial reconciliation and, and racial division, that there are some churches who who kind of say, we are going to speak into that. You know, I've got some friends who are talking about their churches do uh, – you know, Bible studies on that and, and really say, we are going to make this a, a targeted conversation to, to as part of their discipleship platform. And then there are others who say, just preach the gospel. If you just preach the gospel, um, Jesus will fix everything. I was reading, I was reading today. I forget who it was, but it was a, a one of our denominational leaders a couple of years ago basically said, racism is a sin and Jesus is the only solution for it. And so the idea of sure, we acknowledge racism 
but Jesus is the only way that we will get that fixed. So just preach the gospel. So where do you kind of fall on that? Should I the think church just be preach the gospel is a punk excuse to not <laughs> engage the sin of some of our people. Yeah. I think just preach the gospel is a deflection yeah. to not engage sin. Yeah, whether you're preach, talking about greed, right. whether you're talking about gluttony, whether you're talking about racism, sexism, uh, just, you know, no one says just preach the gospel about abortion. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Divorce is a problem. Just preach the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. No, sure. yeah, no that's a punk excuse. Yeah. Homosexuality. They'll be real quick to say, real, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 we're not going to speak on that. Yeah, for sure. And so what are the challenges of addressing uh, and pursuing racial reconciliation in our churches? Are there, are there challenges to that? Um, yeah. You said some churches have conversations. Conversations in congregations are generally driven by who's in the congregation. Mm. So um, I was on a panel one time, and um, let's see, John MacArthur was on this panel, Steve Lawson, E. Dewey Smith, William, uh, passed in Pittsburgh. And the it was an expository preaching conference. These are pastors. We are committed to preaching through the Bible. Um, by the way, when you preach through the Bible, preach through chapters, preach through books, you address a lot of things. Um, and, you know, when you're preaching in 1 Corinthians 7 on relationships, you know, that's not, oh, oh, just preach the gospel. No, you just preach the text of Scripture. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Deflection boy. Um, <laughs> so they, it was interesting to ask these five or six pastors, when you're going through a series, what will pull you out of a series. That's set by the context of that congregation. I think mm-hmm. Pastor MacArthur said he pulled out of a series and addressed some things around 9-11. Um, I said, and a few, maybe a few other people, uh, a few of the black pastors said, oh yeah, I pulled out of a series and addressed some things around um, Trayvon Martin's shooting. Um, I remember in Kentucky, one time they were trying to get legalized gambling, and I pulled out of a series, and I didn't preach a sermon on the gambling bill, but I did preach a sermon on how Jesus, I did preach a topical sermon on how the scripture looks at God's concern for the poor. Mm in light of how, in light of the residual stuff that happens around casinos with poor people. Mm. And I'm not talking about Arundel or whatever. I'm talking about like in rural places in Kentucky where mm. that would be the only thing going on. Um, so, but it was interesting. You talk about how do these go? So one of the challenges is our conversation, our congregations will only have conversations based upon how something is affecting people within the congregation. Yeah. Um, you know, if people in your congregation aren't engaging certain issues, it's, if you don't put it on their radar, it won't be on their radar. Mm-hmm. And depending upon the life, the kind of interaction you as a pastor have with other Christians or leaders in your congregation have with other Christians on the other sides of town, some things can just not be on your radar. And right. it's not that you're um, hateful or unconcerned sometimes you're just totally like unaware of things Mm -hmm. i mean we everyone has the ability to live in bubbles sure yeah and silos and so one one of the challenges is realize that some some congregations will engage things and have conversations that you wouldn't based upon the members in their congregation 
and then this congregation needs member well some some congregations won't have those discussions because the people in there don't even have don't have any context for the discussion mm. and we're not all watching the same news broadcast we certainly don't all didn't That's all it. take the same American history class in high school. Mm. We didn't go to the same high school. So, I mean, just, just being mindful of, hey, just because this congregation is not having this emphasis that we're having doesn't mean, number one, that they're not seeking to submit to Christ as Lord. That doesn't mean they don't believe the Scriptures. And it doesn't mean in and of itself they don't love me. Yeah, They might have just no idea of what's going on. All those one another's in the Scripture, many of them take some effort, yeah. like consider one another. Yeah. I mean, I have pastored, uh, I plan, okay, I planted a church near a public housing project. I had, I had poor and, and middle-class sides of my family growing up, so I understand having and not having. Uh, but I've generally pastored churches in middle-class areas. So, you know, a lot of times I'm always reaching out to a brother that's in, a, in West Baltimore somewhere in a challenging area and making sure the things I'm thinking about pastoral ministry, I want to I wanna run some of those things by him because stuff is, like, different. You, you think of stuff different when I have, you know, I have a staff meeting with like eight ministers sitting around the table yeah. and he undo that. And so mm-hmm. just being mindful of different contexts, the one another's force us to say, okay, if I'm not really familiar with something and I'm hearing that it's a big thing, like there's riots going on around the country stemming out of protests about something about police uh, violence or something like that. If I don't have any context for that, maybe I'll reach out and ask a brother I know at another congregation, at least try to get some context. Yes, yeah. sure. and that's, I wish people would do that. Um, I, my lament is that in 2021, people aren't pastored by pastorate anymore. We're pastored by pundits. And so by the time yes. they make it to the pews to listen yeah. to the pulpit, their mind's already made up and they've already been, they've already been discipled in how to, in their silos and in their, they've already been, you know, mind's already been made up. And so that's, uh, Hey y'all! And, y'all need to tweet that. Yeah, that's, sadly, too many people are no longer pastored by pastors, but pastored by pundits. That's uh, yeah. There, there are, and 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 it's. I've never found it harder to tell people from the pulpit, forget what you heard over the last 167 hours. Let's just look at the Word of God and let it sit where it's going to be, because it's already colored, it's already filtered. And it is, uh, it, I mean, even in this conversation, like I entered into this, this four week series of a, of a race podcast, I, I don't have my mind made up. Like I want to listen, I want to learn, I want to hear the stories and uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll process it through and yeah. try to, and I'm still processing through it. You're trying to decide if you want to be racist or not. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I still haven't made up my mind. <laughs> so discipleship helps right. give you lenses. Yeah. Mm. And sadly, too many people's engagement of Christianity and the Bible, even among, quote, Bible believers, is colored by that cultural punditry rather mm-hmm. than their engagement with the world being mm-hmm. colored by the mm-hmm. light of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've been yelling at my church. If you are listening to a pundit on the news more than you're listening to the Word of God, like turn off the TV, open yes. the book, y'all. Yep. Yes, yes. Turn it off and open up. And there has to be some intentionality, you know, to say I'm going to. I mean, because that's a whole idea, you know. By the way, we will tweet that about pundits and and pastors. Uh, however, I'm going to do that after the whole uh, just preach the gospel deflection boy. You know, said by <laughs> Dr. Kevin Smith. That's my favorite thing. Is everyone I, I think he said punk answer. I think that's it's what a he punk said, yeah. answer deflection yeah. boy. I like. Oh man, that's, I need that on a T-shirt. But there has to be some intentionality to say I'm going to yes. take what I'm seeing in Scripture and I'm going to apply it to what's happening in the world and not just my small world, 
but to go, there are things that are happening outside that I'm not really dealing with, but other people are. Mm-hmm. And so, it, yeah, absolutely. It's a complete deflection to say, we'll just preach the gospel. You need to be preaching the gospel, but then you also need to be taking that teaching and say, how does the gospel, the good news, impact my life in a way that I can apply it beyond just salvation if the whole if the whole deal is just just preach the gospel then we don't need to preach to anybody once they get saved but we wouldn't have any of the epistles that's exactly right and we wouldn't have the commands of jesus yeah love your neighbor yep love your neighbor that's more than just some vocal articulation of the gospel in your pulpit on sunday morning and and members in the pews sitting there listening with clean ears and no wax in them no there's some (laughs) action to love your neighbor yeah i love uh, consider one another as those are those are those are two as you mentioned those are two really powerful words there consider one another dr smith while we while we have you here uh you have some profound insight and much more than we do in terms of uh kind of denominational things that are happening dig into the SBC. this is going to be nuts so one of the things that that we exist as a a community as a podcast to do is to really try to be transparent and and to not so much worry about what's happening with other people out there but to kind of clean our own home Right. And, and, and to look at that and to take an honest look the scripture calls us to do that to ourselves, to examine who we are and to confess and to say, yeah, these are things that we need to work on. And so I want to take some time and because of your, uh, I'm coming insight, fresh from the state execs meeting. Too. Oh, this is exciting. Yeah. So dr- <laughs> throw names down, this man. Fresh. Call them out. <laughs> Uh, now, and, no. and let me let, let's be clear. This is what I've told my church, this church, over the last four or five years or so. Uh, the name of our church is Faith Baptist Church. We have a middle name, but in our context, my uh, my assertion has been that our middle name is either net neutral or it's a net negative. Our middle name to our context, it, it more than more than anything, it's a net negative. And so we have a middle name. We just. We just kind of de-emphasize our middle name. I don't. Yes. I mean, I'm Timothy James Byer. I don't walk around and say I'm a James. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, yes. we, we are still. I, we are. We are SBC. We love being a part of the SBC, but we realize that sometimes it helps us in ministry just to kind of back off that yes. middle name a little bit. And anyway. that's because the SBC has a complicated history yeah. uh, of how we even got started and Could a complicated present. present. Yep. Exactly. We're going to get there. Oh, <laughs> oh, I'm showing up in Nashville. <laughs> I have never, like Tim has asked me before, do you want to go? To, I'm going, I would never go to those meetings. Like that's You're just thinking not, about it this year. I'm thinking about it. I'm like, I'm, like, I'm going mad too. If you're listening to this podcast <laughs> and you are a Southern Baptist, please consider coming to Nashville. Yeah. yeah. Get it's, your credentials to vote. One of the things, so you had an episode on your Peculiar People podcast, um, because we, I, I think rightly so, as we do to a lot of topics that we are close to on this, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to throw a couple punches at it. Um, but I want to start out by affirming why we are Southern Baptists, mm. um, because I mean, you know, we can kind of as we do with our families, we can critique our families, but when people outside it, we're like, okay, now I'll fight you. Um, we have a complicated history, a complicated present as Southern Baptists, but on your podcast, you, you gave um, a really great defense as to why you're a Southern Baptist. And one of the things that I love that you said is that, you know, you and your family have chosen to stand inside the house and to kind of work to make progress as opposed to doing what some people do, which is just say, I'm out. And then a lot of bombs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 
But you, one of the things that you did, you acknowledged while we have a difficult past, you shared four different reasons that you chose to be a Southern Baptist. Would you take just a couple minutes and just explain that here? Yeah. The first one was confessionalism. Um, Southern Baptists believe the scripture. They believe things like the uh, exclusivity of the Lord Jesus Christ, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and to have a high view of scripture and um 1925 and 1963, then 2000, they reaffirmed the confession of faith, the Baptist faith and message, which was consistent with the 1833 New Mm -hmm. Hampshire Confession. So Southern Baptists are Baptists in every sense of how Baptists have been Bible believers since they uh, found their way uh, to this continent. Mm -hmm. Um, A good note, you know, you want to say something, let's say something positive first. You know, in 1814, all Baptists in the U.S. combined their efforts in the Triennial Convention uh, for the purposes of missions to take the gospel to the nations. They had seen what had happened in the um, Great Awakening and Baptist uh, evangelism and things like that. And so, 1814, we had the uh, I had a real long name, the Mary, the Baptist Convention, the Convention of Baptists in the United States for the Propagation of God. It was a long, <laughs> long missionary name, uh, but it met every three years, so the Triennial Convention. And until 1845, they were focused in that area uh, for the purposes of mission. In 1845, there was a split um, in the North and the South, um, kind of around sectional lines regarding the issue of slavery. Now, technically, people say, well, but it was over whether, you know, who who could say, who could determine the qualifications for a missionary. So, yeah, okay, yeah, it was over a missionary dispute issue, but the dispute about the missionary was whether the missionary could be a slaveholder or not. So, you know, that's no, you know, the deflectors, like, oh, my gosh, deflectors, I always have to remind myself the weapons of our warfare is not carnal (laughs) because I was a chaplain in a jail. You just want to jail slap a deflector. Um, (laughs) So slavery was the issue in 1845, the North and the South split. Um, And then throughout the rest of the 19th century, you know, black Baptists who had been parts of congregations, either Southern Baptist congregations or independent black Baptist congregations thought maybe after emancipation, things would be different and things weren't. Mm -hmm. And so by the time you get to the end of the 19th century, you have the whites in the North Baptists, you have the whites in the South Baptists, but then you also have in 1896, the National Baptist Convention formed, um, which is National Gathering of Black Baptists. Um, so, you know, that's some of the history uh, throughout the 19th and 20th century. So any, anything racial <clears throat> that has happened in American history, Christians in general, of course, we're talking about our tribe, Southern Baptists have never just had a sharply contrasting biblical view. Um, and I could say that for broader parts of con- Christianity as well. Methodist split in, this, for, in, the, in the 19th century just as Presbyterian split, north and south. It was all sectional over slavery. Um, turn of the 20th century, Pentecostal movement. You say, hey, these people are filled with the Spirit, and they split too over race. Why mm-hmm. is there an Assemblies of God? Mm-hmm. Because the white guys got tired of a black guy ordaining them, uh, a one-eyed mm-hmm. black guy, William J. Seymour, in the Pentecostal movement. So then you have the Church of God in Christ, the largest Pentecostal denomination, which is mostly black, and then you have the Assemblies of God and the Church of God and the um, Church of the Foursquare. All, all those kind of things, so much of American Christian history is marked by a lack of unity as regards the issue of race and a failure to have a sanctified biblical approach to understanding 
the image of God and other people yeah. that was any different than what was going on in the surrounding culture. So it's not just us. Not just us. Mm. But we're big. Oh, yeah. yeah. And but we're the biggest one, right. bi- yeah, yeah, when you're big, you have a yeah. lot of influence. And to, and to be sure, we're not in like the whataboutism here. What about them? What about mm-hmm. them? But, no. I mean, we, we, we own, own our issues yes. for sure. So if we're, if we're looking at it, it, you know, in this series on racial reconciliation, you know, there is some work that I think the Southern Baptists need to do to kind mm-hmm. of look at, at, at where we have been. And, and certainly <clears> we have had those controversial um, moments. But what, what's interesting to me is I really feel like in the last few years, there's been a lot of attention paid in the Southern Baptists to issues of racial reconciliation, that there are some that are like, we need to do some work. And there are others that are like, no, 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 just preach the gospel. Well, it's, it's um, like the country. We had a black president, so everything's fixed. We had a black SBC and Fred Luter president. So, mm-hmm. hey, everything's good now, right? Isn't that it? No, oh, that, oh, that's not right? All good now. I mean, <laughs> I mean, if it was all good, you know, we wouldn't have looked at the dude kneeling on George Floyd's neck for yeah. seven minutes and some mm. seconds. Yeah. So it can't be all good. Yeah. No, I, I, I think um, the, the something needs to happen discussion needs to be much more informed by Ephesians 4, 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit of, of uh, in the bond of peace, rather than just the fact that something's going on in our culture. Um, my pen tweet says that we must engage tense matters about among Christians with biblical paradigms and biblical approaches to those things. And so... Um, I'm happy when people say, yeah, we need to keep pushing towards Christian unity and realize that uh, racism is one of the things that pushes against Ephesians 4.3, but it's certainly not the only thing that pushes sure. against Ephesians 4.3. Uh, misogyny and sexual assault mm-hmm. and being indifferent to the claims of our sisters uh, pushes against that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there, there are there are young ladies disillusioned um, with Christian responses to some of their mothers and grandmothers regarding uh, things of sexual assault. Yeah. So no, no, I think we need to address those things, but we need to address. Uh, we need to be more careful to address them from a biblical paradigm because we are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the the, the dismissive folk, um, they're more problematic to me because they just live in some kind of alternative reality, as if sin cannot happen. Um, I, I, I fail. I struggle to understand how someone who reads the Bible and sees the fallenness of Judah and Israel in the Old Testament and then sees the need to constantly exhort and even rebuke these believers in these churches in the New Testament. I don't know why they struggle to acknowledge sin that needs to be repented of. Mm. Um especially people who call themselves reformers, the Protestant Reformation, Luther's first theses was that the Christian life is one of constant repentance. When Mm. the Lord Jesus Christ said repent, he meant continuously. Mm. And we have some of the most unable to repent. I ain't never wrong. I've never done anything wrong. I don't know how to say I'm sorry, jerks, running around calling themselves Christian leaders than I've, I've seen in a long time. We should be the first to step up and say our tribe's got some stuff wrong, for sure. Yeah. I don't even remember what you asked, but you, you mentioned Ephesians 4.3. I looked it up. I, I read from the CSB. You're a good Baptist, so I see yes. you do the same, right? Yes. Uh, but at the very, I mean, Ephesians 4.3 starts off by saying, making every effort to keep 
the unity, right? Mm. To me, that sounds like a proactive yes. and not a reactive. That's but right. what I've found, you mentioned George Floyd. We, we as a church, as a big C, 90 some percent of us, we, we reacted to that. We weren't proactive in the beginning. Yeah. My hope is, and what I'm trying to do uh, in here at this church is to say, all right, uh, let's not be reactive anymore. Let's be on the front end of these conversations because we've said that the, ch- the church, the church should be at the forefront of bringing racial reconciliation. The church should be at the forefront of saying all in the image of God. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, but we, we've relegated ourselves to the pundits and the pastors and the, we've got one of 167 hours. And so that only leaves us room to be reactive as opposed to being proactive. And you're, I, I, I've heard you say Ephesians four, three, a lot. And, and, and I just went back to read it that sounds to me very proactive very than reactive the world is so divided and if people 10 miles five miles around this church knew that there was a peculiar people that gathered and lived life under who say they live life under the lordship of christ in this place it would stand out and it would be you know uh in john 17 jesus says when his followers are one then the world will know that the father has sent the son it, that that type of distinct community has missiological seductive powers so let me, <laughs> so let me take this next one because I, I don't want to i know we're running out. I'll, I'll be the guy to ask the question please so when it comes to unity, right? When it comes to unity, especially in the church and even broad, more broad in the big C in our own little denominational world. Right now, we don't have a lot of unity over three letters, C-R-T. Well, first of all, in 2019, the Committee on Resolutions was responding to a submitted resolution from some Southern Baptists. So in our, sent it in. In yeah. our particular thing, uh, any messenger, uh, any Southern Baptist can submit a resolution to the Resolutions Committee. Um, and they came back with a resolution. That committee was made up of uh, pastors and scholars and people. But this is the thing. Um critical race theory and before that critical theory but those kind of critical race theory really came up in legal studies and sociological studies and so unless someone is like academically engaged in legal studies or sociology they would have no idea what that was mm-hmm. and most and many of the people talking especially the pundits couldn't even tell you what really are the primary sources right mm-hmm. For critical theory or critical race based theory. in marxism that's the only thing that we hear over and over and over again which is i mean it's concerning but at the same time, we can't just use that as a throwaway term and, you know, just dismiss okay. everything. So, exactly. So a resolution was put forth that, um, you know, was disagreeable to some people. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say this. I, you know, I agree with people who say in a majority of people in the room didn't understand what was going on, but yeah. they trust the people that are on the resolutions committee. Mm-hmm. I'm not in legal studies or sociology. I trust the people that are on the re- resolutions committee. They I've professors from our six seminaries and they are right. pastors of Southern Baptist churches. I sure. trust them. Plus some of the people grumbling about it grumble all the time. And exactly. so, uh, so here's a little per- parenthetical point. If you grumble every day, no one pays attention when you grumble because you're just a grumbler. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so, you know, people had some opposition to that, and it just 
I left with, well, you know, many of our resolutions aren't passed unanimously. Sure. Uh, the, the, the one of like, let's not use a Confederate flag, that wasn't passed unanimously. There was yeah. vigorous debate on that. Yeah. So um, I left, but then, you know, a certain segment of Southern Baptist life, you know, that became their fundraising cry, that became mm-hmm. their social media platform mm-hmm. building cry. Defund the ERLC. And um, that became their, <laughs> their whipping boy and their yeah. straw man and their gaslight and their everything. And um, it's people that are, you know, for many, in many ways, indifferent to some of the things we've spoken of earlier. There is no Southern Baptist pastor um, in a pulpit. There's no Southern Baptist professor in a seminary advocating that CRT, uh, critical race theory, would be helpful for a worldview, for right. a theological principle, or for a hermeneutical principle. Right. Yeah. But, but I th- will say this: the stuff that uh, it points out about sin about race i mean about racism about individual implications structural implications you don't need crt to understand that you just need to have gone to high school and taken american history mm. um so it's not like it's a necessary thing um matter of fact that resolution said it can be i think an analytical tool but that rest that resolution yeah. uh that resolution clearly said at the beginning and the end Baptists stand upon the sufficiency of right. Scripture, and right. the Scripture has means for us to address any to, any sin, any things that are going on in our culture. But I, you know, I think this whole discussion, you know, I think it's overblown. But you know, people will do what they do, and then politics will get into it. Then once the president, the then president of the United States, begin to say in it, then that draws in all the mm-hmm. politically zealous Southern Baptists, and we have a big mess over. A committee that was trying to respond to a resolution submitted by a messenger at the Southern Baptist Convention. So I, I want to know who is that one dude or dude that, that <laughs> sent it that set off this whole firestorm. Oh my goodness! And by the way, I disagree with you. We don't have any political zealots in our in our <laughs> churches. We none. We have none. <laughs> well, and I guess that's the question, Doctor Smith. Is that so? That happened in 2019, but then at the end of last year. So this is the beef. Oh, but what's yeah. the beef? So the beef is. How do y'all have so much energy to address a rurally theory that's trying right. to address the problem of racism, but you don't have any energy to address racism, which right. is a sin problem, mm-hmm. and we have the tools to address it in the Baptist faith and message and in the history of Southern Baptist resolutions. Yeah, that, that that's the thing. Why in the world are you spending your energy and your effort and your platform addressing what you call and what is a non-biblical uh, uh, worldly based approach to addressing racism why don't you bring in a biblical godly Christ honoring way to approach racism um, and so you know if black lives matter is not the way if critical race theory is not the way then people of Jesus show the way then bring in the BRT and, and, biblical and race theory bring it in bring it right. in uh, but come into the conversation humbly because yeah. from the roots of American history, Christianity has not yet been Correct. on top of the race issue Correct. for the glory of Christ. Been yeah. reactive. So come in humbly. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, you're you're answering the questions before I actually get to ask them, which is just great. <laughs> well, you uh, can join in anytime. Well, I'm, I don't want to interrupt. <laughs> No, I guess that's the that's the question. Is it is the message that it sends? As you said, there, there's nobody out there. There's no pastor in the Southern Baptist Convention. There's no su- there's no teacher or professor in the in Southern Baptist seminaries going. All right, open your books to CRT page one hundred. You know they're they're not doing that. And yet, when the six seminary presidents come out and say we reaffirm the Baptist faith and message twenty years, that great. 
And also, we need to make a statement about this thing that is just this <laughs> boogeyman. Um, I, you know, to me, what ends up happening is it in, instead of instead of giving the biblical race theory, instead of coming out and, and speaking on that, there's the we are not going to do this thing that we already aren't doing and that nobody's really concerned about. Yes. And yet there are real issues, mm-hmm. particularly right around the same time of Christian nationalism and, 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 and this sense of, you know, there are real issues we need to address and they're not doing it. Yeah. That was, uh, uh, you know, I described that with three words. That statement was unhelpful, unnecessary and untimely. (laughs) Um, why would the wonderful seminary presidents take their academic intellectual and institutional capital and spend it in parroting what, social media heads and the fuel to the our previous president was already mm. clearly stating what, what you know what, what what do you add to the thing except the people are, that are political zealots in the southern baptist convention you get them off your back well you know another way to get people off your back is to look at them in the face and tell them to shut up but that takes a little <laughs> bit of courage yeah um no I, that, that statement was unhelpful, untimely, unnecessary, because again, there's no one in Southern Baptist life saying CRT is compatible with the Baptist faith and men. No one right. has said that. <laughs> you know, you, you said, we don't believe it. We, we, such and such, straw men, straw men, straw. And as a matter of fact, that's even just bad communication because you wanted to commemorate the 20th anniversary of the adoption of the Baptist faith and message. And no one left that statement talking about the Baptist faith and message. Right. <laughs> they left that statement talking about your pandering about CRT. Yeah. This is amazing. This has been my favorite podcast so far. Like Dr. Smith, the door is always open for you. This Thank is you, great. But I am hopeful. Yeah. Me, I got if, I don't know where where we are, but I I need to say I'm tr- tremendously hopeful because God commands us to endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And if Christ will empower his people, but we must repent. We must be humble. Mm-hmm. Uh, the beginning of chapter four uh, says we have to come at these things with humility and patience and long suffering with one another. So there's some character issues we need to work on. The, the Southern Baptist Convention right now, we don't have anything to say to the Episcopalians, the Methodists, the Pentecostals. <laughs> the We don't have anything to say to anybody. Our, mm-hmm. our stuff is stanking and we need to we need to get inside the house and deal with us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By the way, when when you if if you want to write the BRT, the biblical, you want to write that book, biblical racial theory, I'll write the foreword for you. Thank that you, way, brother. nobody will buy the book. So, right. be fine. <laughs> well, Doctor Smith, we want to honor your time, and so I know okay. we need to kind of start wrapping this up before we um, head into our confession and our great Christian people. As we try to seek and pursue racial reconciliation, is there any other challenge, any other thought that you want to give us to say encouragement to say, hey? Here's how, here's how you continue on in this way. Um, continue on with the scripture in your hand and you and some brother or sister um, who is different from you um, walking through the scripture together and both mm-hmm. of y'all trying to submit to the Lordship of Christ. Pastor, if you're listening, that could be in the midst of your congregation or it could be with a pastor or colleague from another congregation, even another um, denominational uh, uh, tradition. And so that's one thing. Uh, disciples of Jesus Christ ought to be able to just mutually sit down under the Lordship of Christ, under the authority of his word together mm. and kind of engage each other. Um, so th- th- that's one thing I would just strongly, strongly encourage. And I, I would, as much as stuff happens on social media and the national news, 
the most intimate witness, that's why Jesus went from place to place. The most intimate witness is the closest one. So, mm. you know, important celebrity names and celebrity Christians and celebrity pastors, that doesn't affect the witness of my church as much as my church. Amazing. Thank you so much for that. All right, we're going to move into a time of quick confession. Um, I will go first because this is something that has come up this week in conversation as we have you know, gone through these episodes and I've been engaging with people outside of the podcast who have asked questions or whatever. Uh, one thing that kind of has come up uh, a couple of times is this, I guess, tendency I have to imperfectly speak on behalf of white people. Um, I have had some people come up and go, you know, I don't, I don't feel that way. I don't, you know, you're, you're kind of painting with a broad brush. And I know uh, last week when we have, you know, Brandon on, we had the conversation. He wanted to be upfront. Like, look, I don't speak for every black person, but here is my experience. And I know that, um, I think in my frustration and in, as we have engaged with a lot of these, um, conversations, I tend to paint with a very wide, not even a brush. It's like a very wide paint roller. Yeah. Uh, and so for those of you who have listened and have said, no, Jeff, you don't speak on my behalf. Uh, you know, first I, I will, I will take that and I will believe that. And I will say, I apologize for that. Um, I would also say that there are some things, particularly in regards to race, uh, that maybe there are some things buried that we don't really deal with and haven't haven't really come to the surface. And so scratch that, see if there's anything there. But if I have spoken on your behalf and you go, man, what a jerk, <laughs> um, I apologize for that. Anybody got anything? Yeah, that fact, Pastor Tim knows this because he's on our executive board. Um, in the midst of tensions with Christians, we have to work hard to, uh, if it, the scripture says, in your anger, don't sin. Mm. Uh, so one of the things some Southern Baptists bark about, been barking about for a while is uh, the ministry of uh, one of our Baptist sisters, Beth Moore. Mm. And um, in the midst of some conflict, I was irritated. And when you when you're in conflict, you 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 know when you're trying to press somebody's buttons. And so I was trying to get to the point of you know many of her critics are just people that are envious of her ministry. Sure. Um, you know she fills stadiums and arenas with thousands of people, and you sh yeah just just envy. Um, matter of fact, that's the source of a lot of people's criticism of a lot of different people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. But instead of saying, you know, hey, y'all are just some envious people and you should really, yeah, yeah, you stood a kind of approach like that. I was like, I, I was just in a mood, a fleshly mood, <laughs> to poke these dudes. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, y'all just a bunch of non preaching white boys. Now, I could have said, non preaching dudes, non preaching guys. You're not good. No, I, no, I want to poke them. I said, non preaching white boys. Because, I mean, you know, there's no Asian, black, or Hispanic dudes whining about <laughs> Beth Moore, just white. But, yep. To set it up like that, I, I was just trying to poke those guys. Mm. And when you are trying to pursue Christian unity, poking people doesn't help. Yeah. It's a lot of bumper stickers. Poking people doesn't help. The pundits over the pastors and the, I still like the, uh, oh, what was it? I'm, 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 I'm have to go back and listen to it again. But the deflection boy. I just want a t-shirt <laughs> that just says deflection boy. So I'll confess that I, I, uh, I have a small view of some of our history as it, even I've been a Southern Baptist since I was born. Um, since I was in the womb, I was a SBC guy. <laughs> 
but uh, a small view of some of our history and uh, even just some of our present. Um, but before that, let me back up and kind of mention it just kind of piggyback off of what you've said in these last two episodes that we've been dealing with race. Uh, to the people who have, uh, you know, submitted some questions about our conversation with Dr. Alvarez, I'm still struggling through some of that stuff as well. Um, some of the academic uh, just definitions that he gave when, when I gave the question, can a black man be racist? His answer, I'm still struggling through. It's not like I, you know, spoon feed everything that I hear still working through some of that stuff. So I completely understand some of the people are like, well, wait a minute. Can I, you know, can, can we have a little bit more of that conversation? Um, and so, uh, you know, uh, that's a confession, but that's also a, hey, you know, we're, we're not putting out content here. We're putting out conversation mm. and trying to struggle through it mm-hmm. ourselves. But from, from an SBC guy almost 40 years, uh, I didn't realize um, uh, just some of our disparity. I was reading an article uh, that was in CT last year that said of our IMB missionaries, 3,700 of them that are out on the field, only 13 of them are black. Mm. Of 3,700, I, so I, I mean, I knew the SBC was white, but I didn't realize the IMB, International Mission Board, was so daggone white. Um, I, there's nothing I can really do about that from where I sit, but I'm, I was kind of ignorant to just some of the disparity. In addition, I'm going to take my confession into great Christian people. I was ignorant of some of our history when it comes to missionaries. I had no idea the name of George Lyle. No idea the name of him until just this year when I saw an article from the International Mission Board and from the ERLC, who is basically, uh, you know, our first Baptist missionary. He was a black man uh, who born a slave and went down and was a missionary to Jamaica for the rest of his life, as far as I can tell. And so uh, that's my confession of being ignorant to uh, my own kind of um, identity. Uh, denominational identity, but also great Christian people to, you know, 250 years ago, Mr. George Lyle setting us all straight right from the very Well, that confession makes a church history professor very happy. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Smith, do you have a great Christian person or group that you want to highlight? Yes. um, John 17 is my motivation, but a lot of my Motivation as far as having an example is um, Dr. Lincoln Bingham, who is a retired pastor in Kentucky, pastored the uh, St. Paul Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, Then at some point, St. Paul, which was a historically black church, combined with Shively Heights Baptist Church, Mm -hmm. which was a historically white church, and became St. Paul, the Shively Heights Baptist Church. Uh, It was on Good Morning America a few years ago and everything. But He's preached all over Kentucky, and he's been an advocate for Christian unity in Ephesians 4.3 for so many years, and I've been inspired by him. He was the grandson of a slave, and just to hear his testimony and his commitment to the gospel of Jesus Christ and to the unity of God's people for the purposes of doxological, missiological glory to bring, come towards Christ has just been so formative in my life. So mm. I love the, I love and I thank the Lord for Dr. Lincoln Bingham, retired pastor of the St. Paul Baptist Church at Shively Heights in Louisville, Kentucky. That's amazing. Uh, so I'm going to wrap this out with um, a very, very easy, great Christian people great Christian person uh, is the man to my right, uh, Dr. Kevin Smith. Um, On behalf of our church, our staff, I want to thank you so much for your leadership uh, of our, of our, of our group, of our network. Uh, But just even coming on here today and your commitment, your call to gospel ministry, calling us back 
But even more, one of the things that I, I really admire, um, someone in your position could be way up here. I've known a lot of people who have, have held high positions in, in religious life, and they are kind of untouchable. Um, you have been willing to be transparent. You have uh, shared your own flaws. You haven't deflected to other people, but but you've owned that. You've led us in doing that. Um, and, and just your willingness to work towards unity and to call us towards that is uncommon. I mean, it's something that I think is so necessary for where we are as a church, as a country, and you were leading us in that. And, uh, and so on behalf of the three white boys in the room, uh, we want, we want to be you when we grow up. So thank you so much for, for, uh, for taking the time to do this. Uh, we are so grateful for Dr. Smith being on this podcast, making us a little sharper, causing us to wear nicer clothes and, uh, and act a little more professional. And guys, we want to thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you haven't already, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at GCP pod. Don't forget, if you have any questions or disagreements, any topics that you want to have discussed or clarified that we've gone through through this series, email us at goodchristianpod at gmail.com. Next week, we'll continue our discussion on racial reconciliation as we welcome all the way from Atlanta church leader and journalist Mina Mara as he shares his insights on race in the church and how to biblically pursue racial reconciliation. We'll keep pressing on as we work to be the people God has called us to be. And until then... Be good. You've been listening to Good Christian People, the podcast. Today's episode was recorded on Monday, February 8th, 2021, by Jeff Higgins and Tim Byer two pastors living in beautiful Glen Burnie, Maryland. If you'd like to hear more of our content, please check us out online at goodchristianpod.com or by following us on Facebook and Twitter at at GCPpod. Today we recommend a book by Thabiti Anyapuile called The Faithful Preacher, recapturing the vision of three pioneering African-American pastors. In The Faithful Preacher, Anyapuile examines the lives and stories of three African-American pastors, each living at various crucial moments for African-Americans in U.S. history. This book is available in paperback and ebook from your favorite, all-powerful, online retail conglomerate.